You're listening to Fox on the Wire podcast. All right, welcome everybody to another episode of Fox on the Wire. We have a couple of very special guests today. It's a threesome today. We've got uh, Michael and Brendan Etherington from Square Dance Caller. Welcome, fellas. Hello. Hello, hello. Thanks for having us. Welcome to the podcast. It's good to be here. Great it's to great. finally uh, catch up with you guys. It's been a little while. As it's been a fair while between drinks and gigs and all yeah. of that. Been a roller yeah. coaster twelve months, I think, for everyone. I Very reckon. Strange. Yeah, yeah. It looks like you guys have been keeping pretty busy, uh, recording a new album, basically starting a new band. You calling it a band? Yeah, I think yeah. Uh, it. It was. Definitely we wanted to, once we knew that the initial sort of Victorian lockdown was going to take effect, we wanted to, I think we called each other a couple of times, we said let's make sure we're creative during this time. It's very easy just to let it sort of slip away and get lost in the day, the, get lost in the day-to-day mundaneness of it all. But we, yeah, we both started doing demos and then, you know, I was living, we're obviously living at separate places, but through the magic of the internet, being able to record demos, send them to each other and then... Mm. Uh, at the end of all of it, sort of I had about 20 and Brent had about 20 and we scaled that down to 10 that we sort right. of picked um, and, yeah, ended up recording an album, recently finished it and it's all mixed and mastered and we're just finalising things like the artwork and staggering release dates and all of that. But, uh, yeah, it's out of the ashes of an old band and now a, a new band that we're really happy with. So Fantastic. it's pretty exciting. Yeah, so this is pretty much, it's just about to all take off and launch. Uh, so the, the new name is Square Dance Caller, um, and you got your debut single, Swimming Pool, um, and a, a single launch uh, at the Workers' Club on Thursday the 27th of May. Uh, you know, where did the, first of all, where did the name Square Dance Caller come from? <laughs> it's a, uh, we were trying to think of a band name. Uh, and yeah, as you know, man, I'm probably sure every muso listening who's started a band can buy us. It's coming up with a band name, such a weird thing. Mm. Um, but I'll show you this. I don't know if you can see that. Um, okay. I found my grandpa's old business card, and our grandpa was a, an official square dance caller. Um, and, yeah, like square dance callers are the people that, um, sort of call the moves while um, guys and girls are dancing around doing square dancing. So it'll be like do si do and do the thing and do this and they sort of just they stand there and do all the calls for the um, while the song's playing. And wow. uh, I don't know, we just sort of threw around a bunch of different names and Square Dance Caller was something we kept coming back to and kind of liked that it was linked to our grandpa. And he was fairly not super musical but he loved music and, you know, had that connection to music through square dancing. And, yeah, I think with a band name, you sort of just have to eventually commit to one. Uh, and this was one, yeah, we just kind of went, yeah, let's go with that. And it's something different. I think when people hear the music, like it's kind of like when you think about other bands like Green Day or Coldplay or, um, you know, Pearl Jam. When you think about what is Pearl Jam. What is Pearl Jam, yeah. 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 <laughs> but you think about their music and it's like, well, you think of the music rather than the name. 
Um, yeah, you can, if it rolls off the tongue, it kind of just works. And mm. if you don't think about it too much, mm. like what is uh, Stone Temple Pilots? You know, I'm sure mm. it means something. I haven't looked into it, yeah. but, you know, what the hell is that? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, th- I really like the name and it's an obviously a nice tribute to your grandfather as well. Mm. Yeah, something different. Um, yeah. I think people are going to hear it and hear the name go, what's all that about? <laughs> Yeah, you have to explain it. <laughs> yeah, you know. probably a million times. <laughs> They'll probably be expecting us wearing country outfits and, you know. Singing, singing country tunes. Yeah. Is yeah. there going to be more dance moves on the stage or is that just uh, Hopefully. Not, not part of the act? <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Hopefully not. <laughs> <laughs> what, uh, what can you tell us about the new single, Swimming Pool? Uh, do you want me to take a mic? Yeah, you can answer that one. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. Well, I guess like Mick was saying during lockdown in Melbourne, we uh, we both sort of just started getting into writing and demos, and I um, I started experimenting with drum loops, and um, I found a few sort of things that I liked, and just started found a few cool loops, found one that I really liked, and then I just had it playing for like you know just on repeat and I just jam along to it with the bass. I started, it was just as a different way to write songs. I was like, I'll try and mm. do it with bass and a, and a beat and then found a bass line that I thought was pretty cool and then, yeah, just built the song around that. And nice. it ended up, because I had so much, because we had so much time and I had so much time, you could just sit in your room and just going to this dark cave with a bottle of wine and, you know, just spend hours and hours and hours listening to this and tweaking it. And, um, yeah, I guess the beat is sort of fairly hip-hoppy um, and that's like a lot of the songs on this album. The new album are fairly, yeah, hip-hop orientated beats, but we just really wanted the grooves and the, the drums and the bass to connect really well. And, yeah, yeah I think. It was a different kind of approach for me and Mick because we were used to writing more rocky sort of stuff. Mm. Um, mm. But, yeah, Swimming Pool, I think it's – would you add anything to that, Mick? Yeah, I, I think that uh, out of the first initial bunch of demos that Brent had sent me, that was one that really popped because right. it was just when we decided to end our previous band, Busy Kingdom, we thought if we're going to do something, if we're going to start a new band, let's just do a completely new sound. and. Part of the demo, the demoing was let's do demos how we haven't done them before. So for Bren, because when we used to write songs together, I'd be drumming, he would be guitaring, and then we could get a basis of a song and then craft it together and work it that way. But because we were writing songs from separate locations, Bren started doing demos with drum loops. I was still able to have a kit and do stuff with the kit, but um, Swimming Pool in particular is one song that almost sort of once we heard that, we thought that's a good starting point to sort of almost work the album around in terms of it was very moody, it was very beat-driven, it was very sort of the driving force of the song is the bass line, which was very, you know, it, it is a very sort of hip-hop kind of thing where you can pretty much do a song with drum and bass, you know, mm. just a, a, bit, a bit of a, you know, melodic rhythm on a bass and then a nice beat but um yeah, it was something that we dem- well, Brent had done the demo of and then we looked at it again and changed a couple of little things but not really much. Pretty much okay. what the demo is, we re-recorded it and that's now what the single is. Yeah, but cool. 
it definitely set a tone for what we thought, well, this is a good direction to go in, so let's focus more on drum and bass on this sort of album. Yeah, I think it would be good. Yeah, and then, cool. Yeah. So your your previous band, Busy Kingdom, I guess I kind of imagine that you guys, when you wrote songs, it was mostly both of you guys sitting in the same room, jamming on guitars or, you know, guitars and, and drums and sort of working it out together there on the spot. Would that be the case for the most part back with Busy Kingdom? Yeah, for yeah. most for most of it, it was. Um, it was an idea would come up, or a line, or a lyric, and then it would be a jam. And because yeah. I my first instrument was drums, and I played drums for about probably close to eight or nine years, and then I started playing guitar when we started Busy Kingdom. So when we would have ideas for songs, it was always handy that I could sort of come up with a rhythm and say, yeah. Brent could jam on guitar and I could play on drums and we could sort of flesh out a song that way and then I could pick up the guitar and we could work out vocal harmonies and lead parts and and that. But uh, this time around, with you know, we were able to sort of work on one or two songs out of lockdown just to, to finish them off. But, yeah, that was sort of how we used to do it and that was how yeah. we, we used to doing it for about eight, eight or nine years, however long Busy Kingdom was. But uh, yeah. this just felt like a brand new way of looking at songwriting and you know we felt like it was it, like i mentioned before if we're going to do it something new let's just reinvent how we do it everything different as long as it's different from what we used to do it's a good thing yeah it starts to get a bit stale or it feels like it gets a bit stale doing the same thing the same songwriting yeah. approaches um as you as you normally do it so yeah i guess this would have been pretty exciting for you guys um, you know, sort of coming up with your own ideas and then sending them to each other and putting them together. It must have been pretty hard to uh, – did you say you had 20 songs each? Around about 20 each, yeah. must have been pretty hard to squeeze it down to 10 between you. <laughs> yeah, I think um, we're always writing demos, you know. I think I, we both love doing demos and um, I think – you know, with songwriting, the trick is just write as much as you can and not all of it's going to be good. But if, um, you know, the more you write, the more you can get the bad ones out so eventually a good one comes along. Mm. And, um, yeah, I think we sort of, with this new project, um, like we're going to release another two albums this year in 2020. Wow. Uh, sorry, 2021. <laughs> Still feels like 2020. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Was there a 2020? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Um, but, uh, yeah, we're going to do another two albums. So we thought wow. let's pick the top ten and keep writing and then when we're ready to, we're going to start recording the second album soon. And um, I don't know, we're, we're both big fans of prolific songwriters too. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd, like it seems like back in the sort of 60s and 70s, bands would pump out albums sort of yearly or yeah. every 18 months at the max, whereas these days it's like three years every, like so many bands, it's like, man, one album every two or three years. And mm-hmm. it's you sort of think about the Beatles, like there was only, they were only around for about eight years or something and they <laughs> did their whole catalogue. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah, same with Zeppelin. I mean, between... Yeah. Was it 68 or 69 to, I think, 1979 was the last album, mm. maybe 1980 or so, yeah. when John Bonham died and you know, yeah. how many albums and how many great songs and yeah. different 
very different albums during that 10 year period. Yeah. Not to mention the tours and mm. all that stuff. It's just it's pretty incredible. Yeah. Just, with, just a lot of, yeah. with a lot of the songs that we wrote, uh, it's in demoed. We, it was almost like we had nearly three albums worth of stuff. But mm. we, since then, we're still, every day, we're still writing and demoing songs. But it was a song like Swimming Pool that came along that we thought, well, that, that's a good idea to set the tone for the album. Right. But, but then we thought, well, for the next album, like we, we've got about nine songs that are sort of semi-acoustic singer-songwriter kind of songs. And we thought, mm. well, what's to stop us doing a singer-songwriter album next? Like, yeah. and, and then if we feel that the vibe of the third thing we do will be different, it's, you know, see where it goes. I think with the freedom that we have now, you know, not being not being restricted by anything but just sheerly write what we want to write, you know, and mm. we recorded the whole album together, just the two of us. We did everything on the album together. Yeah. So it's a nice feeling to be able to say, well, if we want to do a punk album or an EP, we can do a punk <laughs> EP. If we want to branch into doing like a country album, we could do that. So, yeah. Yeah, it's the, the beauty these days. We can pretty much do whatever we want, really. I mean, mm. especially releasing it ourselves and uh, we're pretty much on our own dime most of the time and, you yeah. know, we can do mm. whatever the hell we want. So did you guys record uh, most of the album at home or did you do some in the studio? Yeah, we did. Um, there's a little studio up in Sundry called Sound System Studios. Oh, it's a and, beautiful place. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's cool. It's it's weird because when we first walked in there, it's only, it's not it's not massive, it's pretty small and sort of went in, checked out the room to do drums and we're like, oh, yeah, it's, it's okay. And then we thought we'll bring the drum kit in to try it. And it was just such a huge sound for like a mm. fairly small room. And, uh, yeah, we just thought, let's, let's do it. Like, it sounds awesome. And then we met the engineer there, this guy, Adam Sirachi, who, uh, have I pronounced that right, mate? I think so. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, he was a legend. He's just a great muso and engineer and he ended up mixing it as well. Um, but yeah, did drums with him and then we've accumulated a good bit of gear over the few years uh like last few years and um yeah just did the rest at home pretty much at mixed place and cool yeah it was just such a fun easy process i think sometimes in the we've recorded a few things before and sometimes recording can be pretty tedious and painful and drags on and just all these annoying things about it but this time it was so fun and easy and yeah, I think it's the best thing we've ever done. We're so excited for people to hear it, and it was all—it was all about yeah. the vibe. Yeah. <laughs> it was all about. Yeah. It, it sounds cliche to say it, but it really was all about the vibe on, on vocal takes, on guitar takes, on everything. It's like if some some things we'd do a few takes and comp it all together, but others it would just be if if there was a little sort of fluff or something. But if, if the rest of the take was good, it's like just keep it. Let's not overthink yep. it keep it and move on it's good enough and yeah mm. we'd rather have the fun experience rather than being like oh shit i didn't get that that, that note in this fucking little part and I, I fluffed it and blah 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 it's yeah i think um i've watched a um do you know those classic albums the making of classic albums yeah a really good one on amazon of um elvis 
Elvis's first album. Okay. Like the making of it. Yep. And I didn't realize how hands-on Elvis was. Mm. Exactly what Mick just said was a big thing that Elvis was all about was when they'd record, sometimes there'd be a little mistake here or there, but if the vibe was there and if, mm. it, if, if it was like, you know, I think a lot of modern music, you can get so obsessed with like the perfect take and it has to be so note perfect and it's like, you know, some of the best music ever made was not done to a click track, you know, or yeah. not used with computers or it was just people in a room jamming, you know, making sounds. Yeah, there is something really nice about a nice fuck up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, there's, ter- there's terrible ones and uh, yeah. but yeah. there are Happy some nice ones if it's, a, if it's a good vibe. Um, it's good to keep it in there. That's why I like working with um, – Josh down at Crosstown, like he's all about that. Mm. Um, I struggle with it a bit trying to, because we're recording at the moment and uh, I've got this thing in my head where I need to be uh, imperfectly perfect. You know, I don't like mm. it perfect, but if I hear something wrong, I've got to fix it, unfortunately. So mm. he tries to balance me out a bit with that. So I'm glad to hear mm. you guys have left some of those nice little things in there. I think that's important to, yeah. to do that because, yeah, it's probably been lost in modern music for the most part i think mm. everything's so tuned and perfect and to a click and everything and it can get a bit stale i think yeah um, we still um i think cuz a lot of um like all the drums on the album mick mick played the drums um but a lot of the songs and the demos i'd done were just to you know program drums right but we we really wanted to have real drums on the okay. album um and yeah i think you can hear that yeah they are they sound like lutes but they're actually played and i think when people hear it they'll still hear that there is someone playing it with little subtle things about the playing if that makes sense yeah um we didn't we didn't want to quantize the drums either when we we're uh, recording and sort of mixing it all the drums still even if if you know the beat i played to a click so if if i was sort of a little bit either side of the actual beat i play, i caught up to myself so if <laughs> i slowed down or sped up it ended up balancing itself out so the take was good enough to use okay but uh a shout out to adam our uh, our engineer and mixer because you know, when you're doing any sort of recording in the studio, uh, laying the platform and doing the drums, it's it can be a five-day thing or it can be a two-day thing. And we were lucky that we got 10 songs in two days. So it was sort of half a day of setting up and sound checking everything. And it was a day and a half of tracking. And it was great. We just had, you know, a few beers and just we we were prepared and it was just such a good experience. And it was yeah, like Brent said, being able to do it at our respective houses and mainly at my home studio here in Sunbury. But, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, just made it such a great a great experience and, you know, recording is one part of being a musician. Mm. Playing live is another. Booking yeah. the gigs is another. Writing is one thing, you know. But to, to enjoy doing each individual part, I think, is... Uh, is really important. You got to have fun doing each part because if if you hate gigging, well, don't be a muser. If you hate recording, mm. don't be a muser. If you hate writing, don't be a muser. Yeah, and then there's all the business stuff. And, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. yeah, there's oh. many hats, isn't there? Many hats. Well, we we learned a long time ago that yeah. um, 
it's the music business because 50% of it's music and 50% of it you got to look after the business side and if you don't if you don't sort of balance those two then one takes over and you know you got to find the balance and um yeah it's also being a self funded like we're an independent band so we yeah. pay for everything ourselves but mm-hmm. you find people that you trust and that you like and that you want to work with and then you keep working with them yeah so, mm. So you guys have been doing this together for for quite a while now. Do you guys fight in the studio? <laughs> um, I think we're past it, man. To be honest, like we've yeah. never really been big fighters. I think because we're brothers, it's if Mick says something shit, I'm not going to take it personal, and vice versa. We mm-hmm. just like we because we've been doing it for a little while. It's just you just look at each other and go, "Yep or no," nah. and it's no hard feelings and. Plenty of times Mick said things that I've done were not that great and vice versa. And I think at the end of the day, uh, again, it sounds a bit cliched, but you got to think about the music and, like, what's going to be best to get the best song happening or do you really need five guitars on a recording or do you really need this bit in here or do you know mm. what I mean? That's sort of... Um, but, yeah, in terms of I guess that's why this might have been so easy for us because it was just me and Mick doing everything. And yeah. with our old band, we had bloody 14 drummers over the space of about six or seven years, yeah. and it sucked. <laughs> and it also sucked because Mick is a really good drummer, and so you don't want to be that guy that's sort of standing going, well, you could play it a bit better or, you know, um, but when someone's not playing it as good as what you think it could be played or, mm. do you know what I mean? It was just a bit of a weird thing. I'm sure that's like seems to be the thing with music is finding drummers. That's kind of how uh, Taylor Hawkins might feel in the Foo Fighters with Dave Grohl up the front. Yeah, <laughs> he's sweating. Yeah, I reckon. <laughs> Jeez, he did all right. So, um, yeah. yeah, I can only imagine how nervous your what was it 14 drummers would have been 14 man <laughs> 14 that's <Joke>. crazy <laughs> it was yeah it was pretty um but see the thing that through our whole journey of music it's been me and mick have yep. kept going and i think being brothers it just makes it easier mm-hmm. um because we, we also both sing we both play guitar i can play a little bit of drums mix mix a great drummer i can keep a beat but so we can and i've been playing a lot of keyboard and that's one thing i did in lockdown as well i was just like all right i'm gonna start playing piano and nice yeah sort of use that time and that's some of these songs on the new album have a lot of keys or synth parts and Mm. that was just from you know again doing something different rather than just all guitars and sort of drums and bass, I was like, I'm going to put a synth on this and see what it sounds like or I'm going to put... Yeah, I heard a few different... So from what you've released, you know, just snippets on social media, you know, I've heard a few different things going on there, a bit of, uh, yeah, a bit of keys, I think a bit of synth as well. So Mm. it's really cool that you're utilising all your skills. And one thing I always admired about you guys in particular was your vocal harmonies. You know, not, not every band or artist has that but not all of them do it as well as you guys do it as well so can we sort of expect that on this uh on these new songs and new albums to come yeah absolutely it's something that um we've put together a band for the launch 
um, in May on the 27th at the Workers' Club. We've put together a really good band and it's sort of the briefing to the guys was there's going to be a bit of keyboard, there's a bit of acoustic, a bit of electric, there's a bit of singing, there's a bit of percussion, there's a bit mm. of everything because uh, we love singing harmonies together, Brandon and myself, and when we record it's, you know, we find that the mixing stage of the album it's all about taking things out <laughs> rather than turning things up. It's more of like when we record, let's just go nuts with it and then just take everything away when it comes time oh, yeah, to mix it. So it's usually more of a case of uh take these out because there's already enough vocals on there. <laughs> but um, definitely, definitely I think with the, the harmonies and the singing, we've always, we've always thought being fans of music anyway, if you go and see a band, if, if the band is singing harmonies, whether it's a male or female voice or a pairing of them or whatever it is, any band that's got harmonies, just in, in my opinion, it makes them a better band, especially yeah. live when, you know, when you see people, if you can get a band with three part harmonies, even better. Oh yeah, yeah. Is that um, is that something you guys had to really, really work on to get yourselves in tune with each other, or is it just sort of evolved naturally over the years just by playing together? Um, I think it. I probably the latter, man. Like I've I've had one singing lesson in my life. Right. And it was from this big, fat, old lady who tried to tell me that I couldn't sing. <laughs> and I just, it, it, we grew up in the Blue Mountains and that was, it was a sort of classic thing of you go down the street and you see the music, the inverted commas music teacher who tells you, you know, you have to be able to read music to do music or you've got to be able to do this. And I think I just remember me and Mick just started playing music together and. I started singing and Mick started harmonising on me, what I was doing. And, yeah, I think that's the way to do it. You don't – I'm a big believer that everyone can sing, you know. Um, it just takes practice, you know, and everyone can hold. You know, some people are better singers than others definitely, but yeah. it's just practice and that's how we got better is just practising and, mm. um, you know, listening to listen, listening to music that has harmonies in it too, like – we love the Eagles and the Beatles and, yeah. you know, Crowded House and, you know, even Nirvana, um, you know, Dave Grohl did harmonies with Kurt and some of their songs and, yep. you know, um, the Stones, like Keith would do some harmonies, you know. Um, but, yeah, I think we just sort of, it just sort of grew organically, didn't it, Mick? Yeah, absolutely. It was, it's definitely something that we we always were playing when when we both moved to Melbourne. Uh, about 11 years ago, um, we were always playing guitar together and singing and, you know, you, you sing some of those old songs, especially the Beatles songs, and you're like, well, it needs the harmony to sound right. So yeah, yeah. one of us will learn the harmony and then my range is sort of, my range is sort of a little bit higher than Bren. Bren's more of a baritone lower mm-hmm. singer. My register is a little bit higher, so I sort of do most of the high harmony stuff. But it's... Uh, it's something that's fun as well. I think it makes you a better musician to be able to not only sing, but be able to sing harmony while you mm. play. I think it, um, yeah, it's something else for your brain to focus on while you're sort of doing the music and mm. it adds another dimension to any band. Absolutely. Yeah. I sort of find it hard to tell you guys apart sometimes. I'm like, <laughs> oh, which one's which? It's really hard yeah. to 
to pick you guys apart, which is uh, kind of funny. So <laughs> yeah, some so, some songs it's been the case where Bren might sort of sing the lead, and then I'm doing a harmony below him, mm. and then that's just what we've done when we've rehearsed it or written it. So then that's just what we do. Mm. But um, I think that's good. We can keep you guessing. Yes, the mystery <laughs> so, is there. <laughs> <laughs> so where are you guys from originally? The Blue Mountains, did you say? Blue Mountains, yeah, man. I right. uh, Western Sydney. Western Sydney, yeah. Okay. We're about an hour and a half west of Sydney. And, uh, yeah, we both grew up there. And we've both lived in Ireland separately at different times. Oh, right. And, uh, yeah, we've got a bit Irish Irish in the family. Have you got yeah. – what have you got in – you got a bit of Scottish or Irish or something? Irish, yeah. Irish. Yeah, I've actually – I've got the, the family tree um, – the test thing you got to do. It's yep. been sitting there for months oh, wow. and months. I really yep. got to do that because I'm I'm pretty interested actually. Um, but yeah, yep. definitely definitely Irish. So my uh, mum's side was O'Shaughnessy. So oh, nice. uh, very Irish. Yeah, yeah. got to got to get back into that. And yeah, I do like the taste of whiskey, Irish whiskey. So <laughs> yeah. there must be a, a tie there somewhere. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> yeah. Very true. Yeah. Um, and uh yeah where's it going with that um yeah we grew up in the blue mountains and then we we sort of started playing together when we were about 18 19 and had a band had a band called highway outlaw Mm -hmm. uh classic like 18 year old (laughs) band (laughs) yeah um and that was yeah that was a little while ago but i think melbourne was always like the mecca for music and creativity and I know just just everything and the Sydney music scene was a bit funny at the time and I don't know Melbourne just has so many venues and so many opportunities and you know it's it's what makes Melbourne so awesome for music mm. is you can literally be a beginner and you can get a 20 minute slot to play in front of people and like nearly every night of the week it's pretty rad yeah um or you've got that level all the way up to like you know international bands coming and playing here so um and yeah i think that's what drew us into coming down here and mm-hmm. yeah getting stuff set up and sorted and then starting a band and getting the band back together <laughs> yeah so have you been here since since then since like 18 Pretty or 19 much. was it you moved down here um yeah well we both traveled for a while right and I moved down when yeah i was about 21 or something um but yeah man been here for a while and just love it i think uh, i think that it would be nice to i think the european music scene just seems to be pretty just i don't know just different more opportunities i guess and Mm. bigger sort of um i don't know it seems like in australia there's a handful of key radio stations whereas in europe or america there's like a thousand of those stations Mm. in like 50 different countries in Europe, especially, you know. Um, so, no, I think for us, yeah, we'd, we'd love for these new songs to get heard over there and if we can tee up a tour or something, get over to Europe when COVID pisses off, we can. Yeah. It'd be cool to do that, I think, for sure. Yeah, it feels like the travelling overseas thing is a still a fair way away, but we'll, we'll stay positive, hopefully. and um, Yeah. Hopefully you can get over there. Yeah, that Soon. was um, that was sort of when we were writing these songs. Um, mm. That was a bit of an inspiration as well because 
it was such a weird time. It was when we wrote most of these songs, um, it was during the hardcore lockdown in Melbourne where it yep. was like three months or four months and like there were times when it was like you couldn't even go out at bloody after eight o'clock at night or something and it was just a very weird time yeah. and uh yeah one of the songs on the new album's called heavy mm. and i just remember just the world was in such a heavy place at the time and it was when old mate trumpy was doing his thing in america and the world was just pretty chaotic and yeah, I think some of the other songs on the album too are just, um, yeah, very influenced by isolation and, you know, having time to reflect, like probably like everyone, you have those months where you can't really do anything except mm. sort of do a bit of self-reflection and thinking about things and, yeah, yeah it's good inspiration for songs. Yeah, it's a weird time. I think it will be even stranger looking back at it. In a few years, yeah. Um, if we sort of do get back to normalcy, but uh, there was was there another kick-ass musician that you guys inspired to move down to Melbourne as well? A young fellow by the name of uh, Robert, Robert, Robert Ber- Patton, Robert Bergstrom Patton. <laughs> yeah, Rob came down. I grew up with Rob back in the Blue Mountains, and he went to the same high school as Brennan me, and mm-hmm. he was in my year at school. He was always a he taught me a lot of guitar stuff, actually, Rob. And, yeah. yeah, when he came, he wanted to come down and I think he came down for a holiday or for a weekend or something and checked it out and liked it and then ended up moving down and became, you know, he met people like yourself and mm-hmm. a bunch of other Melbourne musos and got amongst the scene and now, yeah, he's recording and recorded and gigged and he's got his own musical career down here, which is great. Yeah, he's all over it. Yeah. I, um the way I met him was kind of accidental. Um, I think it was, uh, I don't know, maybe 2018 or something. I had yeah. a gig lined up at, um, uh, where was it, Swamplands in Thornbury there. And I had a friend of mine from Tasmania flying over that day to come and play as well, um, uh, Rod Fritz, and he got stuck at the airport. Um, so he actually he never made the gig, but Rob was, Rob was playing at – I think the early shift at like six or seven. So he was already there playing. And um, I think it was just us two for the rest of the night. So I sort of got to know him that way and thought he was pretty cool straight away and yeah. um, been sort of mates or, you know, whatever ever since. So, uh, and he was one of the first guests on the podcast That's here. Right. Yeah. And um, I've got to get him back on, I reckon, pretty soon. And yeah. Have a good chat with him. But um, yeah, really, really nice guy. So shout out to Rob if he's listening. Yeah, well, that's you better that's, be. <laughs> that's, that's that's one of the that's one of the beautiful things about coming down here is that mm. we had another friend, Chris Tomchek, that came down. He's got a group called Thaksali, and he now lives in Denmark, and he's still making music and he's done a few EPs and stuff. But um, for him to come down, meet a few people, and then within the space of a few weeks, start gigging, and then. Yeah meeting a connection of, you know, friends and musos that you can sort of start getting regular gigs and calling them on to support you and you support them. And that was what drew us to Melbourne was the whole music mm-hmm. scene. Like Bren mentioned before, when when we were in the early days of playing in bands, the Sydney sort of scene was a bit uh, dire, I think. Not even dire, it was just it was difficult to get a gig in a spot that sort of had 
you know, enough other local venues around. Like in Melbourne, you could play somewhere like Collingwood that's got, you know, Smith Street and then next door is Fitzroy. But between Smith Street and Brunswick Street, there's probably about 10 places you can play. Yeah. Same with St Kilda. There's about five or six places there you can play. Brunswick's got about 20 places alone on Sydney Road that you yeah. can, you know, if you really want to come down to Melbourne and gig, it's like you can get a gig five nights, six, seven nights a week. You can, you can play every night if you really want to. Yeah. And, um, yeah. yeah, it was having the whole of Melbourne shut down was, yeah, as Bren mentioned, a big source of inspiration for for the album and just to reflect on what we have done, what we want to do and then what, what we can do, you oh. know. Yeah. So, you know, if you think back, what are we now, 2021? Oh, it was probably seven years ago or so now. Like, um, you know, I'd play lots of, lots of gigs with you guys and we'd sort of share a bunch of different bills and we were playing pretty much every week, not necessarily the yeah. same gigs, but, you know, it was really pumping for a few years uh there and mm. that's sort of when i met you guys obviously yeah um through you know one of your bass players curtis Ardolino. yeah hey, curtis yeah and um yeah it was a really really great period for live music i felt and yeah to just have it stop last year mm. um i don't know about you guys but i haven't played many gigs in the last 12 months and it's really strange mm. obviously you guys have been really busy recording and stuff um uh but yeah have you have you missed the live music have you really missed it in the last 12 months yeah i think um well because even if we weren't gigging just to be able to go out and see live music yeah um you know uh it's been weird not to be able to do that um i think for us I remember sort of towards about a week or maybe a few weeks into the lockdown, I just thought this will end eventually and it's like what can I do to make the most or what can we do to make the most of this time? Mm. And um, because we knew that, okay, well, gigs aren't happening at the moment, gigs won't be happening for a little while. Yeah. Um, and so we just thought let's get stuck into demos and then, you know, even as the lockdowns and all that stuff has sort of eased up, we just thought let's focus on recording and, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's been a bit of a different take we've done with this new band with Square Dance Core. We just thought let's focus on the songs and recording and writing and rather than gigging just nonstop every week, let's yeah. let's just do a couple of launch gigs and, you know, pump the music and do the sort of behind-the-scenes stuff. and. Um, yeah, like I said before, we really wanted to release, like we want to release a lot of stuff. And I think that was one thing we'd done with our old band. We always overthought it too much. Yeah. And I think that's a bit of a trap as a muso you can fall into is just overthinking, you know, because you hear all this stuff. You've got to have a release plan and you've got to do this and you've got to do that. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. and I remember when we were doing all our old, with our old band, it was like, you know, you get so caught up in the behind-the-scenes stuff that mm. you forget that it's all about the music is number one and, like, everything else is number two, yeah. you know. Um, but because there is such so much stuff to do, you know, there's the socials and the website and the this and the photos and the videos and the blah, 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 and it's, yeah, very easy to get caught up in um, everything else except the music. Yeah, there's so many boxes to tick 
underneath all those hats we've got to wear um, and then to line it all up perfectly and all this sort of stuff, it's yeah. uh, it's pretty stressful sometimes. Yeah. And, um, yeah, you're right, you probably get too caught up in it. Yeah, um, I think it was for us, that was the thing we thought with this thing. It's like let's let's why not release a few albums in a year like mm. we haven't done that before and there's me and mick have written so many songs that no one has ever heard yeah and looking back it's like why haven't people heard half those songs because yeah. you know we just overthought it or we didn't think they were good enough or blah you just get into this sort of thing where it's like no for this thing we thought let's everything we used to do let's do the opposite yeah yeah sure. uh, yeah that's yep. sort of the way we went. Well, very exciting. New band, Square Dance Caller. What else can you tell us about the single launch? Who have you got supporting? Or can you not announce yet? Yeah, we announced yesterday we have um, okay. Rory Newman, who's an acoustic singer-songwriter, and we also have Ryan Oliver, who's playing with the backing band. Cool. So these are guys that we've met through once again through friends of friends and we wanted to start gigging with some people that we haven't gigged with, you know, expand the branches and yeah, play with some new people. But also it's, it was just a bit surreal to be honest, putting together the lineup and putting together the gig because like you mentioned before, you know, it's been so long since we've been gigging that it's just like, Oh, finally we're back to it. And, you know, so it was it was strange talking to our sound guy, Anth, um, calling him and being like, mate, we, do you want to do sound again? <laughs> <laughs> so we, we haven't done a gig with him behind the desk for probably about over a year. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so we're really excited. It's going to be great. Um, yeah, both Yaks playing with us, they're fantastic. And, yeah. yeah, it's just going to be great to celebrate live music, new music, uh, yeah. a new band and, yeah. Hopefully, uh, sell it out. And yeah. I think also because we've been in such a writing and recording headspace, mm. we sort of forgot that. Oh yeah, we're going to actually play these songs <laughs> live. <laughs> like mm. yeah. we're so used to hearing the recorded versions and demos and writing and blah blah blah. That yeah, it's like it's going to be so fun to play them live and yeah, try out some new stuff. Especially given that most of the time, well, the whole time we've done all the recording, it's just Brent and me sort of doing everything. So to be yeah. able to play our respective instruments and then have other people singing and playing guitar and singing harmonies. Um, we're actually getting Rob Patton. He's joining the band for the launch. Sweet. We've, we've roped him in. So him and we've got uh, another guy, Matt Blair, and we've got Drew Hancock uh, yeah. from Honeybone as well. So we've put together a great band of um, talented musos that we're really excited to you know play live because yeah hearing the song so much and you know you know yourself craig where it's like you know you write a song you demo it record mm-hmm. it properly show it to the band they play it then you gotta rehearse it then you gotta go out and play it a lot it's <laughs> like you sort of get sick of hearing the same songs yeah. that you've done all the time but yeah. to hear these mm-hmm. played by a full band with all the parts it's really exciting and we're really excited to show everyone, um, yeah, what the album in full. Fantastic. Well, I've heard snippets, and uh, if you go and check out Square Dance Caller, you guys have got Instagram and Facebook. Um, there's little snippets of we what do. you can expect. Yeah, um, we're keeping the fans guessing. 
Yeah, that's <laughs> the, the way to do it. The pre-sale link, we just put the pre-sale up today as well. So, oh, yeah. yeah, we've already sold, yeah, quite a fair few tickets in the last sort of 24 hours already. So people are keen, get in because it will sell out. Sick. Well, yeah. I better get my ticket then. Um, yeah. Mate, we'll put you on the door. Oh, <laughs> wicked. <laughs> you got one Just, sorted. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll put a link in the show notes for the event page um, and your socials as well. We'll try and build it up a bit. Um, so that's May 27th. That's a Thursday night at the Workers Club in Fitzroy. Haven't been there for ages, so I look forward to getting down yeah. there, having they're, a few beers. And... They're, they're back at capacity too. Oh, um, wicked. So okay. it's, yeah, it's going to be good. Um, that's one thing we we're sort of holding out for is we didn't want to play to like 50 people sitting down. Mm. We wanted to play to, you know, a full crowd. So yeah, it's oh, going to be good. Okay. Awesome. Well, Mick, Brendan, great to catch up with you guys. It's been yeah, a while. So I look forward to catching up in person yep. at, uh, sure, at the single launch and, um, it'll be good to see you guys play again on stage and hear some new music. Thanks for coming on the show. Absolutely. Thanks, Thanks for having, having us. Man. And man, hats off. Keep doing what you're doing. It's rad. Yeah, we're loving it. Really cool. Digging Thanks, it. guys. Good to see you. Yeah. Cheers, bro.